reading this back there. This is an Ezekiel. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river. I couldn't cross it because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. It was a river that nobody could cross, and he asked me, son of man, do you see this? My question is, did you, did you see it today? I don't know about you, but God took me down into the water and dunked me. When you give him... Sometimes there's not words, guys. Because when, when you give him the reins, when you surrender it all and give him the reins, he's going to dunk you down. so messed up right now. We pray these things, you know, God, take control. And then when he does, it doesn't look real cool, does it? So... This message is called, I have a father. So these words are only found in this sequence three times in scripture. It's Romans 8.15, Mark 14.36, and Galatians 4.6. And Jesus talks about it in Mark, and then Paul talks about it in Romans and in Galatians. And I always thought that, in which it does, I always looked at the idea of Abba, not the group. <laughs> Just kidding. The word Abba as daddy, which that's what it means. It means it means daddy. But I was reading about this pastor that was in Tel Aviv in an airport, and there was a Jewish father, and he was talking to his son, and he told his son, he said, when I tell you to do something, I want you to call me Abba. <laughs> so the guy started looking further into the scriptures because that's what he thought all his life. You know, it's this idea of daddy. It's the idea of intimacy. It's the idea of this childlike daddy. He's my daddy, which he is. So he started to research it, and he started to notice that in these scriptures, three scriptures, they all tie in with the father in a reverential honor. And it's all linked in with obedience. So it's not just us saying, Daddy, it's us saying, Daddy, in that I honor you, I reverence you, I want to do what you tell me to do. And this is where this took off from me because I've always, you know, father, father, daddy, father. I've always thought that I've always tied in the intimacy, but I've never seen the idea of the obedience part of this and what that means, means for us. So the word Abba has a deeper meaning connected to intimacy, but also obedience 
it's not just the mere use of father in these three references. The word father, Abba, father, the word father actually means pateia, which is where we get our word paternal. So the idea of father is, is more of like the, the connection, like I have a dad, he's my dad. But see, you can have a dad that maybe really, not, really is not a dad. <laughs> so we look across the nation and we see in the world and we see all of this chaos and we, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, see, see, kids are being disobedient to your parents. It's the last time. But we tend to look at the surface of that and not like look into the depths of why is that happening? Listen to this. There's approximately 64 million fathers in the U.S. right now. 43% of U.S. children live without their father. Almost half of the kids in the United States live without a father. 40% of children in father-absent homes have not seen their father at all during the past year. I, 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 we need to let this sink in because I believe that God is raising up fathers within the church to deal with this. Because the idea of the fatherless homes, it's, there's not going to be a snap of the finger. There's not going to be some kind of magic solution. There's not going to be some kind of... It, it's going to be... So God is raising up the church in this respect, to be a father to the fatherless. And I want us to be prepared for this. I want us to be prepared for this and to be thinking about what is, what is going on around us because we have a tendency to get into our, into our little shells and our little neighborhoods and houses and lives and jobs and tendency, I have a tendency not to see the big picture of what's happening. 50% of children living absent from their father have never set foot in their father's home. I know this is a lot of stats, but I want to keep emphasizing. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Listen to this. Nine out of ten, 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. That's 20 times the average. Got a few more. 71% of all high school dropouts, fatherless homes, nine times the average. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers abusing drugs come from fatherless homes. 85% of all use in prison, fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger are from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. We have a father problem. Again, we look at that. Do you realize the majority of people that are running the streets when you're watching the news are under 24. <laughs> and we, oh, what's wrong with them? Oh, they need to get their stuff together. Oh, they, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we say all these things. But there's a reason why this is happening. There's a lot of angry children. <laughs> there's a lot of mad children. There's a lot of children that are running around, right? And they're mad. They're angry. And I'm not making an excuse for the behavior. I'm telling you why it's happening. They want to belong to something. They need something to destroy because they're mad. But we have a tendency to kind of back off that and then point the finger and say, oh, what's, they need to get their stuff together. Well, it's not that simple. And God, I'm, tell, I'm telling you, God is raising up and calling the church to deal, with this, to deal with this situation. We're going to have people come through these doors because there's a point, listen to me, and I came to this point. There's a point that you come to where you're just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and we're going to have a lot of people that I can't do this anymore people 
coming into these stores. And we need to be prepared with open arms to love them no matter what they look like, no matter what they've been through, no matter how angry they are, no matter how frustrated they are, no matter how many times they may drop, drop the F-bomb in our presence, no matter what color of hair they have, they're mad and they're angry and they're displaced and they're rejected and they're hurt. But we need to get down into the grassroots of the thing and get dirty and get messy and see it and taste it and be with it to deal with it too. This is why the rubber meets the road. You know what I mean? It's, listen, it's easy to come to church and sing and to read our Bibles. And, to do, and then when, once this, this obedience part where God says, now I want you to get down into the muck a minute with them. I need you to get down into the dirty place with them. I need you to get down on your knees just like I wash the disciples' feet. I may need you to wash the f- dirty feet of someone that needs to sense the Father's love. Do you hear me? So the disciples come to Jesus and they, they say, they say, teach us how to pray. Because listen, they saw him go up on the mountain all night in prayer and come down and walk on water. They saw him go into these places of prayer and come out and feed 5,000 people. They saw him going into these places of prayer and come out and raise the dead. They saw these, him come out of these places of prayer and they saw blind eyes open. They saw ears open. They saw, they saw these signs, wonders. And, but they knew one thing. They knew it was tied to prayer. They knew that Jesus had been alone with the Father. Remember, Jesus is the one that said, I don't do anything unless I see my Father do it. So they saw this happening. So they, they Jesus teaches. You ever, you ever had some, uh, somebody come up to you and child or whatever and you were doing something that they wanted to do. Maybe someone was playing the guitar. And, the, and, and uh, teach me how to do that. I want to know how to do that. Teach. There was an interest in the disciples because they saw the materialization of these signs and wonders and miracles. They saw the real deal happening, and they were like, Jesus, teach us how to do this. And they knew it was linked to prayer. And he says this, start out saying this, our Father. Let, let that sink in. Teach us how to do this, Jesus, our Father. I'm sitting back there, and I'm writing this stuff down, and I'm like, I wonder what percentage of issues and problems across the world, seven-some billion people, are linked to the Father. Either the presence of the Father or the absence of the Father. Is it any wonder, as Adam and Eve come out of that garden experience, and now they have the curse on them, and now chaos is breaking out, and now there's wars, and people are dying, and this circle of destruction has happened now, that Jesus came to reconnect us with the Father. There's healing in connection. And again, we have a tendency to look out across the nation or across and watch this happen. Why are, why are they fragmented? Many of them have grown up in one-parent homes. So they got half of the equation, and they're missing the other half. I grew up with a pretty awesome father. Not perfect, but I ended up in a bad place. And I'm thinking, my goodness, if I didn't have a father in the house, where would I end up now? Our father in heaven, daddy, father, you're higher than me. You're bigger than me. Listen to this reverence. Hallowed be your name. 
honor to your name, reverence to your name. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. The reverence, the reverence for the Father. But in these homes where they don't see it modeled, you become the mere image of what you look at all the time. What you see reflected or in front of you all the time is what you become. So if I have grown up in a, in a home without a father, or I've grown up in a home, a, a home where I've been abused by a father, where I've been rejected by a father, where I have not been lifted up or equipped to be a man, no wonder I start to walk into life not being a real man, not being a real father, not being a real, no substance, flaky surface, no depth, because I haven't seen it modeled. Is it any wonder that Jesus turns to the disciples and says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came to unfold, literally unpack who the Father is. Now, listen, you want to talk about a privilege to all be sitting here today and be in this kingdom the children of God, the offspring of God. Just picture God as a river, and you are an offspring of him. How wonderful. You know, we're sitting here, you know, oh, how we love Jesus, the, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Why is that so important? Because it connected us back. God always has a solution for everything. Because there's, you know, there's people... That, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, that have gone through their life, again, with this idea of a fatherless home. But God has got the solution. The highest form of connectivity is spiritual. When you know, and I'm talking to you today for some of you that have been in here that, have, that are still, you're still hurting, you're still bitter, you're still, there's a sense of, I, that was me. There's healing in the house because this father accepts you. Come on. When you have the father's acceptance, I am talking about the one that called your name into this earth. When he said Ben Cope is going to walk the earth, he said it. I don't care what anybody else has said. This is how you can walk through life and you've had insults poured on you and you've had offense and you've had all this stuff, this junk that the world just gives and gives, gives and gives. You want to talk about God being an overflowing fountain? Well, the world is an overflowing fountain and it's full of junk and garbage and words that have been spoken of you that were not true. When God says that you're accepted, when God says that you are adopted into this family, it's his word. It is not my word. He is the one that called my name from eternity and said, yes, I want him here. I want him to walk the earth, and I'm going to tell you something. I have written a book, and this is going to happen, 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 this is going to happen. Why? Because I've spoke it. And his word will not return void. There's a lot of empty words being spewed out. There's a lot of empty words that have been spewed out over you. But they're all empty. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Yeah. Listen, 
Your kingdom come. What's the? Your will be done. Now mine. He's already attaching obedience to this idea of the Father. <laughs> when Jesus comes and he says, I am the way, he literally meant it. He meant the words that I'm going to speak. If you listen to them, you're going to find your way through this chaos. And in the midst of it all, you're going to have something that he calls the peace that surpasses all understanding. I loved saying this because if, if it's peace that surpasses all understanding, you have to be in a place in your life where you look at yourself and you say, there's no reason right now I should have any peace. But here it is. <laughs> when he comes and says, I'm your peace. Come on. Your job's not your peace. You're, oh, oh, oh. Your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or uncle or cousin or car or house is not your peace. When he comes and he says, I am your peace. And then he says, guess what? This peace, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. It's going to stick on the inside of you like thick molasses all up on the inside of you. It's not going to go away. It's going to stay. Because sometimes it's like, oh, this is too good to be true. Listen, he's too good to be true. He's too good to be true. His goodness, his mercy, he just pours and pours and pours. And I'm sitting back there and I'm going under the water and he's pouring and he's pouring and I'm thinking, how am I going to get up there? Because <laughs> he's good. And if we're willing and if we let go, if we give him the reins, he'll take you ankle, he'll take you knee, he'll take you shoulders, he'll take you under. And you just let him do it. You just let him do it. I, you know, there's no, it's not, there's no like complex solution to this. It's surrender and you let him do it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I need bread today. God has set up this whole thing for us to need bread every day. I can't last off the bread of tomorrow. Yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. When you're dealing with the Old Testament, guess what? The manna couldn't be eaten the next day because it rotted. So he has got us in a position where we have to keep pressing in, keep pressing in, keep pressing in, keep pressing in daily, because there's food to be had. But it's our dependence on it. Give us this day our daily bread. Give, I need bread today. I need fresh revelation. I need fresh bread today. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. We're going to fall short. We're going to sin. We're going to get mad at people. We're going to get frustrated with people. So he throws it in there. And forgive us, my, forgive me for falling short as we also forgive those that are indebted to us. The enemy's got all these tactics. So he, if he can't get you to fall, if he can't get you to sin, if he can't get you to ca get caught up in this cycle, then he's going to try to use somebody else. You know what I mean? He just goes, he goes down the line. He has this checklist, and he knows your strengths, and he knows your weaknesses, and he has this check, and he goes, well, they passed that today. Oh, they passed that. Well, let's try this. Well, let's try this. Let's try this. This is why they call this walk a war. <laughs> right? 
It's exciting. But it's a war. And all this, that, you know, Jesus talks about all this, and the disciples talk about all this military commentary. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. So what's the devil wants to do? He wants to lull us to sleep. He wants to get us numb. He wants to get us to the place where we don't feel anything anymore. But I don't know about you, but today I'm spiritually alive. I'm a lively stone. Are you a lively stone today? I'm not a dead stone. It's not dead religion. Jesus is alive. <laughs> he's, he's alive. Give us this day our daily breath. Forgive us our sins. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, recognizing that there is evil in the world and there are pitfalls and there are traps being set for you and for me. But deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus in the model prayer taught his disciples to start with our Father, stressing the importance of this relationship. It's a relationship not just about intimacy, which is extremely important, but also about obedience. We're going to jump forward here because I can't miss the main point of this thing. I have 19 pages of notes. (laughs) I'm serious. Okay. Romans 8, 12. And now we're just going to go through those three scriptures real quick here and just look at at the tie-in. This is what it says, Romans 8, 12 through 17. Therefore, brethren, listen to what he's telling them. We are, I said this last, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything. And what he's saying here is you're not a debtor to the flesh. In other words, don't feed it. That's what he's saying. You don't owe the flesh anything. It's literally the enemy's avenue to get to you. Unhealthy, perverted cravings and desires that at the time feel perfectly right. We say this all the time, that if sin didn't feel good, nobody would do it. But he uses that and he tugs on our feelings and tugs on our emotions and tugs on these low things. These, these, the natural man. Where we don't know the flesh anything. To live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the Spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed, listen, if indeed we suffer with him. See, he throws these things in here, but we have a tendency to kind of overlook if we indeed suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So he starts off with saying, therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. He ties in this idea of indeed we suffer with him, and he also talks about this idea of Abba Father. You're going to see this in all three instances, that this idea of calling God Abba is not just saying Daddy, it's saying I reverence you, I honor you, I'm going to do what you say, I fear you because I know the consequences of sin, 
you know, so we talk about this idea of, uh, of healthy fears and unhealth, uh, of healthy fears and unhealthy fears and things, you know, and again, we're not looking, we're not, we're not saying I'm waiting for my dad to come home and beat me over the head, but I know if I do something that I'm not supposed to do, I should surely be aware that there's going to be a consequence. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but I remember a rotary phone on my wall when I was growing up, and my mom would grab that rotary phone, and my dad was a vice principal at a junior high, and she said, you want me to call your dad? And I, I'd straighten up real quick. Because I knew if that phone call went through the line and my dad found out, I was going to have to deal with it when I got home. Crowd, I have a father. You didn't adopt yourself. Think about that all week. He did. He decided to adopt you. So he looked at you and said, they are worth adopting. He chose you first. This revelation of this will deliver you from fear. Do you hear that? If I know that he accepted me, and if I know that he adopted me, it literally, perfect love, and that is perfect love. Perfect love is, was his decision to come into my chaotic life where I did not want anything to do with him and to burst through that barrier and say, you're accepted and you're loved. That is perfect love. And guess what happens with that revelation and as it grows, that perfect love casts out fear. Fear of what? When Jesus died on the cross, he took the law with him. There was over 600 laws that the Israelites had to follow. You can't pick sticks up on Sunday. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. So they constantly walked around with this consciousness of sin, worried. Because <laughs> they saw people stoned to death for being disobedient to their parents. You know, they, they saw all of this happen. They saw, they saw this materialize in front of them. So he dealt with the law in that he followed it perfectly so that now we accept that and as the Spirit of God is now on the inside of us and Jesus has completely fulfilled every single it talks about this dot and tittle of the law. Every single thing that you could possibly do wrong, Jesus did right. And now the Spirit of God on the inside of us, who is also screaming out, Abba, Father. Maybe he's saying, obey the Father. <clears throat> so the Spirit of God now on the inside of us is now our leader, our comforter, our God opening up the scriptures and the scriptures coming alive and him setting it on fire. He's our guide. He's our leader. He's our commander. He's our... And he, and he comes to teach us more and more and more and more and more about Jesus. He didn't adopt yourself. So he's fulfilled everything. And now I, 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 I'm, I stand in honor, I stand in reverence, and I stand in awe. And I, I look at him and I say, oh my goodness, 
your unconditional love is unfathomable. And that's what drives me to do the right thing. Not because I'm trying to earn my way somewhere up higher on some kind of level. Again, I always talk about this, but the idea of when he says, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, when he says, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, and I'm in you, and you're in me, you know, this thing is ours. And the Spirit of God is literally peeling off another layer, peeling off another layer, peeling off another layer, peeling off another layer, and we're, going, we're walking forward and moving forward, and there's more revelation to be had. I want to be, I want to be more free than I am right now. I'm not talking about the positional place of freedom. He's the one that said you're free, but I want to experience it. And I found that the way that you unlock the door over and over and over again is be obedient to what he's telling us to do. No matter what, no matter how hard it is, no matter what it feels like, no matter how much we don't want it, Paul woke up every morning, he woke up every morning, he sat on the edge of the bed, just put his feet down, he said, I die daily. And he wrote the majority of the New Testament. Why? Because he died daily. He was more interested in doing what the Father told him to do than anything else in the world. I do not want to get to the end of my life and go look back with regret and look back and say, man, I wasted a lot of time on stupid things. Thinking stupid thoughts, going, doing whatever. I don't know. Maybe the siren sounding, you know. This call for us to, to wake up. I walked out of Walmart yesterday. <laughs> Some dude was in his car with a me megaphone with it out the window talking about repentance. I hadn't seen that for a while, you know. I mean, part of me was like, what in the world? Or, and then part of me was like, huh, maybe, it's a, maybe the siren is sounding. Abba Father. In Galatians, we're going we're gonna to get through this. Galatians 1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we are, were children, were in bondage underneath the elements of the world. You hear that? But when the fullness of the, <laughs> when the, fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son. All that stuff, all that, all that momentum, all that momentum building up. And Jesus is born in a pig trough. <clears throat> and the angels are celebrating. There's this crazy spiritual celebration happening. The fullness of the time had come. Only the Father knows. You ever think about that? He's the only one that has a date and time. And there's going to be a time where he's going to say, the fullness has come. Do you hear me? And so, you know, this is on the evangelical side of things, but there's literally going to be a cutoff line. There's going to be a line drawn in, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ will rise first and then we hear alive when he comes. We'll meet him in the air, and all the people that mocked, like they did, the, like they mocked Noah. There's going to be a day where the flood comes, 
and it's going to come fast and it's going to come swift. And it says there's going to be people eating and drinking and doing the same thing that they've always done. But I'm alive. Are you alive? Are you spiritually awake today? If you're not spiritually awake today, I hope the light came on. It's no, t- it's no time to be dull. It's no time to be complacent. It's no time to get caught up in the monotony. It's time to, if you're not alive, it's time to come alive. This is a work of God. In the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Born under the law. Why? Because he had to deal with it. To redeem those who were under the law. You've been set free. Come on. All that stuff that tied them down the Old Testament, Jesus came and set you free from all of it. So now, you feel that? Now, the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of your heart is your teacher, is your guide. To redeem those under law that he might receive you had to, this had to happen for you to be adopted. So Jesus dealt with a law, right, that you could not follow. I could not follow it. Jesus followed it, and now he says, now that I've bridged this gap, now come on, walk over, because you've been adopted. The veil's been rent. The, the veil's been torn in half. Now come on into the holiest of holies. On Sundays, every day, every minute of every hour. Come on and eat. That's what he says. Come on and eat. He says, eat of me, drink of me. My food is, my flesh is food. My blood is sustenance, is drink. Because your sons receive the adoption. And because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Everything that he has and owns is yours. It's a revelation. It's a revelation. Therefore, you, come on now, listen. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But then indeed, when you do not know, when you did not know God, you serve those things which by nature are not God's, but now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, listen to how he flips this, how is it you have turned again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? Do you hear how Abba's tied in again with this idea of he's our daddy? Yes, but he's also requiring something of us, and that's obedience to the word with the help of the Spirit of God to do what, do what he's telling us to do. And now when that's happening, we actually experience him in his fullness. But now after you've known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn back? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid for you lest I have labored for you in vain. Understand the consequences of what has happening here because you have a Savior that died on the cross, again, was beaten, ripped to shreds, back torn wide open, crucified, all of that stuff to deal with the law. And now you had this group of people that were giving up 
their inheritance and going back to the law. Again, it's no wonder that when Jesus was coming and saying these hard things to the religious leaders, like you're a bunch of snakes, you know, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs, you're nice and shiny on the outside, but the inside is a disaster. And it's like, why was he talking like that? Because what was happening was they were taking away from the sacrifice that is incredibly rich. Think of trillions and billions and zillions and millions and that doesn't even touch the sacrifice of Jesus. He was, he said, I'm afraid for you. But again, this idea of obedience tied in Abba Father. And the last portion of this, which we're finishing up here, if this uh, music sent the singers want to come up. And this is the third part of this. This is Mark 14, 32. So this is Jesus talking here. Then they came to a place which was called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. I mean, he's got a sense of what's about to happen. And, you know, multiply the, if you've ever been in a place in life where you've been terrorized or panicked or, you know, multiply that by a thousand is what he's experiencing right now. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. It's the Son of God that has now walked through the earth and done all of these miraculous things and seen all this, you know, all, all, this, all this has happened, is now in a place where he's saying, Father, if there's any other way this can happen, please let it happen. He's come to the end. So he went a little farther and he fell on the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. <laughs> and then he remembers. And he says, Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. He said, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, here it is. Not what I will, but what you will. And that was the key that unlocked you being here today and being a child of God. In that moment, I always thought about this, in that moment, the victory was won because his decision was, I'm going. And I, this idea of when he was walking and he was dealing with the torture, he had me and he had you in mind and he had adoption in mind because he knew if it didn't happen that way, nobody in here is going to get adopted. Imagine being in the earth and not having a Savior right now. Imagine seeing what's unfolding in the earth and not having a savior. And there's multiplied millions of people that are out there right now that don't know him. So the God is going to use the churches as a voice box to speak things forth. And they're not going to be words that fall and hit the ground. You know, there was times in the, in biblically speaking, where men of God, women of God would speak and would get, it would get the attention of rulers in high places presidents, kings, queens. The word of God is going to come alive and it's going to come into the earth and it's not going to return void. And it's going to come in a way that we've never seen before. Yeah. There's going to be a fire and a power come out of your mouth. This is a prophetic thing. We open our mouths and let God do the talking.
this idea of coming into this, oh, I'm afraid to talk, I'm afraid to do this. Let me tell you something. God will take your mouth and do what he wants with it. You got to open it. And then you're going to look back on it and you're going to go, I don't even know what I was talking about. I don't even know what I was saying. I don't even know what the heck just happened. But all I know is whoever just dealt with this got set free because the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is going to use your mouth. And he's going to use your ears to hear spiritually. He's going to use your ears to hear eyes to see. He's going to use your hands to touch, to heal. He's going to use your feet to move and go places where other people don't want to go. Because it's too dirty, it's too mucky, it's too nasty, it's too this, too that. There's too much sin there. Jesus sat at tables with sinners as the religious leaders mocked him and said, look at him, he's eating with sinners. He said, guess what, guys? I did not come for the healthy. I came for the unhealthy. Listen, we have a tendency to look at those places and say, I'm a little afraid of it, I'm a little worried about it, I don't want to deal with it. But God says, in those places, that's where you're going to find life. In those places where you don't want to go or don't want to say it or don't want to do it, that's life. The easy part is to stay on the shore and look at the disaster happening. The hard place is to actually wade out into the water and get involved. We are accepted by him. He is our Abba Father. Y'all can stand. Uh, Matthew 6, 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barge, yet your (laughs) heavenly Father feeds them. Which of you worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Consider the lilies the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Listen to what he's, you know, we just, we just talked about this idea of millions and billions. I mean, Solomon was the Bill Gates of his day. Okay. And what he's saying is here, no, no matter what, how much wealth he, what, what this piece that I give you does not compare. It's higher. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Lord, we just pray right now for all those in the house that are here today. Lord, we we sense your spirit moving. We know that you're here with us. Touching every need healing every place, filling every void, pouring yourself out. God, we can't wait to see what you're going to do in the days to come. As you've moved today, we can't wait to see the momentum of this wave building and building and building and building and building and building and building. and building. You're going to have to get yourself a bigger surfboard. And we pray the sealing of all these things if the prayer people want to come up. In Jesus' name, we pray over this and we cover it. Be blessed in Jesus' name.